Welcome to another sermon podcast from Mount Hope Belmont, where you will hear messages designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so you can go and live your life driven by faith. When was the last time you made a decision? In the Bible, after wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, the Israelites were given a task to follow, but over time they fell short and eventually did not stick with the plan. Doesn't this sound like our relationship with God? Some of us would say yes to God's decision, but we would eventually not stick with it. In the next few weeks, as we dive into the book of Judges, we hope you will enjoy the message as we find out how to make sure we stay on our task and not break the cycle. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to go ahead and open up a Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning. We have these black Bibles in the chairs. If you're grabbing one of those, we're on page 199, or maybe you brought your own Bible or use your phone or something like that. Uh, You can go ahead and open to that. I do want to uh, just reiterate very quickly, if you have a middle school or high school student, or if uh, your children are trending in that direction... Things like the Fine Arts Festival and Youth Convention, you want to put those on your radar. Those are great things. Um, And if you're interested in what that Fine Arts Festival is and how it works and how your child can participate, whatever your child's gifting is, my guess is there's a category for them. You can talk to me, as Justin mentioned, or Ting or Carmelina, our worship leader, was a big Fine Arts Festival participant when she was in high school. And so you could talk to her. And as you can imagine, she like won everything every year. But... uh, but you could talk to her about what that looks like. So let me do a, a little bit of an informal survey here, all right? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's not going to be too personal. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or stand up. Don't worry. Just, just by show of hands. How many of you in the room, how many of you have a to-do list? I have a to-do list. How many of you have a to-do list? Pretty much all of us, right? I, my guess is most of us have a to-do list, whether it's on your phone or it's on your computer or it's on a piece of paper or whatever scrap of paper you can find to remind yourself. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you by show of hands, have a stop doing list. Anyone have a stop doing list? Yeah. This idea of a stop doing list, you think about things you'd like to stop doing. Yeah. How many of you write it down? This idea of a, a stop doing list, it, it's something that I uh, came, that someone said to me about 10 years ago. I was at a conference and the speaker was this business guru guy named Jim Collins. Some of you may recognize that name. He wrote a couple, uh, you know, big time New York Times bestsellers. And he said on the stage, he told this story of being a young employee uh, at Hewlett Packard. And he had come out of school and he was an all star in school and he was now in the business world and he was rising fast in the business world and he was accomplishing, 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 accomplishing. And one of his mentors came up to him one day and said, Jim, you live a very busy but a very undisciplined life. You live a very busy, but a very undisciplined life. I'm not going to ask for your hands, but I got to tell you, when I heard that phrase, I could relate in many ways. And I don't know if you, if you can relate. You live a very busy and a very undisciplined life. And she said to him, she said, you are great at taking on new things and adding things to your to-do list. But if you're going to go anywhere, in the, and this was specific to the workplace, if you're going to go anywhere in the workplace, she said, you need to figure out 
how to stop doing all sorts of other things that you're doing right now. In fact, she said it this way, Jim, picture you only had 10 years left to live, and that was the amount of time you had to work. What would you immediately stop doing, and what would you immediately start doing? And she said, start doing those things now, and stop doing those other things now so that you're not wasting your time. And so as a young man, he ended up quitting Hewlett-Packard because of that advice and made this whole stop doing list, became a a business professor at Stanford University, started his own research lab, wrote a couple of New York Times bestsellers, and now commands tens of thousands of dollars to give an hour-long lecture at conferences around the world. So if you would just write a stop doing list, this this is where you could go. But it highlights the importance, doesn't it? of figuring out what we should say yes to and figuring out what we should say no to. Because most of us just naturally, we're good at being busy. We know how to add things to the to-do list. But if you're anything like me, and I think most of us are the same here, we're not nearly as good at being well-defined and clear on the things that we're actively involved in that we should say no to. That's a much harder thing to do. Easy to add the activities, tough to get them off your list once they're already there. And we know what that's like. And and it affects the way we we go about our work. It affects the way we go about school. It affects the way we we handle our family life and relationships. And it's not just Jim Collins that talks about this, but the co-founder of Apple, uh, the longtime CEO, Steve Jobs, he says it this way. And he he attributes the success of Apple, not just the ability to say yes to things, but the ability to say no to things. And here's here's what Steve Jobs said. He said, I'm as proud of the many things we haven't done as the things we have done. And listen to this quote. It's a great quote. Innovation is saying no to a thousand things. And Steve Jobs, if you expand that quote, would say, we had a ton of great ideas at Apple that we didn't do. And it was really important that we said no to those things so that we could say yes to the best ideas. And if we tried to do them all, we would have failed. But because we were able to say no to a thousand things, we were able to say yes to the best things and be successful. It's so easy to live live a busy, undisciplined life, to say yes to things without saying no. And that affects our our home life. It affects our work life. It affects our family life. It affects the way we go about school and all sorts of other things. But it also, and this is what we're going to talk about for a little bit this morning, it also affects your and mine relationship with God. That it is very easy when it comes to our relationship with God to live a busy life and yet undisciplined life. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit. What are the things that we should be saying yes to as followers of Jesus Christ, if that's what you call yourself here this morning? And what is it that we should actively be saying no to if we're going to live the life that God calls us to? Now, we're starting a new sermon series this morning here at Mount Hope. And so we've come through our January series And now we're into a new series, and we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're not going to get into it this morning, this morning we're in Joshua chapter 24, but next week we're going to turn the page and we're going to get into a book of the Bible called Judges, and we're going to be there for the next few weeks uh, walking through the book of Judges. Now some of you who have read Judges before, you know there's some interesting stories in there. There will not be a dull moment when it comes to the stories we'll be reading and going through over the next few weeks. But before we get there... We're going to take a look at a really important moment in the lives of God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish people. 
This moment we're going to look at takes place about 1,300 to 1,400 years before Jesus was on this earth. So we're talking well over 3,000 years ago. The people of God are gathered. And Joshua, for whom the book is named after, Joshua is the leader of the people. So let's test your history skills here for just a moment. If you think back a little bit further in in the history of the Israelites, and if you don't know, uh, let me try and, and do my best to catch us all up to speed here. So for many generations, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and maybe you know that. Uh, even those of us that, that feel like we don't know our Bible that well, maybe you, you know about this, that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt under the Pharaoh for generations. And then God sent one man to lead the Israelites out of slavery. His name is Moses. So Moses comes, maybe you remember, 10 plagues. They leave Egypt through the Red Sea and out into the wilderness. Now, the whole idea of that was that the people were supposed to leave Egypt and go immediately into a land that God had promised the Israelites for generations. It's a land that you may hear referred to as the promised land because it was promised through Abraham to God's people. It's a land that you may hear as Canaan. That's obvious, uh, um, what it's called often in the Bible is the land of Canaan. But this is a land that God had promised to his people generations before they were even enslaved in Egypt. And so the whole idea was that Moses was going to take the people out of Egypt and into the promised land, but that didn't happen because the people, they didn't trust God. And so they ended up spending 40 years wandering around the wilderness until the generation that left Egypt passed away and a new generation rose up. And that generation trusted the Lord and was led by our man Joshua here. And they went into the promised land. And just like God had said would happen hundreds, and gen- hundreds of years earlier, generations of earlier, the people, the Israelites, took control of this land. It started at, at the Battle of Jericho, where the walls came tumbling down. If, you've, if you sang the song as a kid or you saw the VeggieTales movie, you know what we're talking about. They go into Jericho and the walls fall down. They take that city and then they continue to move throughout the promised land, taking control. And when we meet the Israelites here in Joshua chapter 24, they're in the new land. That land that God promised them generations earlier, they are there. And Joshua is old. This is it for him. He knows his time is almost done. So he has one last moment here to talk to the Israelites. And this is his like brave heart type speech that he makes in front of the people to try and rally them to do the things that God wants them to do. And he begins this speech at the first part of this chapter. If you were to go back and read the first 13 verses, he begins this speech by recounting everything that we just recounted. God promised us this land. God brought us out of Egypt. God sent us Moses. God led us through the wilderness. God gave us victories in the promised land. Now here we are, Joshua says. And then he says these words. Now therefore, he says in verse 14, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
I think it's so easy for us to read that passage. And for those of us that have been around church for a while, my guess is you've heard these verses before. You walk into your friend's house that's also a Christian and they have up on the wall someone cross-stitched that verse. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or if it's someone younger, they have you know, some pallet wood painting done. And so there it is. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and it's this decision to say yes to God. It's so easy for us to read these verses and to only hear what Joshua is calling us to say yes to, what he's calling the Israelites to say yes to, and what he's calling us to say yes to. And certainly, Joshua is saying to the people, and he's saying to you and to me, you need to say yes to serving God because of who God is, because of all he's done. To the people, Joshua says, he brought you out of Egypt. He brought you to this land. You need to say yes to serving him. And if Joshua was here this morning, he might say something like this to us. Jesus rescued you out of your sin, brought you into a new relationship with God, offers that to you, empowers you to live a, a new life that God calls you to live. You need to say yes to Jesus. But what we often miss in this passage is that Joshua isn't just saying, say yes to God. He's saying to the Israelites and he's saying to you that saying yes to God means saying no to a thousand other things. It's saying yes to God means saying no to a thousand other things. And it's so easy for us in our, in our culture to hear the yes and miss the no. Joshua says it this way. He calls them, serve the Lord your God. And then he says this, but put away all the other gods. Serve God, say yes to God, but say no to anything else in this land in which we are living that would threaten your devotion to the one true God. And it's so easy for us to hear the yes and miss the no. Because I think all of us are so used to just adding things to life, just saying yes to something else without dealing with the things we need to let go. A couple months ago, Disney came out with their own streaming service, Disney Plus, right? And so many people registered on the first day that Disney's server slowed down and even went offline for a little while. You know how many people have to be signing up for something for Disney's servers to go offline? The response was unbelievable. The millions of people that instantly signed up for Disney's streaming service. Now, I don't have any numbers to back this up. I'm just telling this, I'm going off a hunch here, if that's all right. How many of the people that said yes to Disney Plus do you think? then went that same day and said no to all their other streaming services. I bet the percentage is minuscule, maybe even 0% of the people who signed up for Disney Plus and then said, well, now that I'm on Disney Plus, I better cancel Hulu and Netflix and all my other streaming services. No, we just added it in. We said, oh, I, be I better say yes to this one now. And we'll just add it in with everything else. And in a culture where that is what we do, we constantly take on more, and we constantly say yes, and we just add and add and add and add. This idea that there are things that we have to say no to is so foreign to us. It's the part that we miss. And Joshua knew that this group of people that he was standing in front of, they would say yes to God, but they were going to have a really difficult time saying no to all the false gods that were a part of the people groups that they were now living among. 
Just like they had done in Egypt when they started working the, worshiping the Egyptian gods, they were going to be tempted to take everything from this new land of Canaan and integrate it into their life, to say yes to God, but to also say yes to these other things. And Joshua wanted to make it clear. You need to say yes to God and no to this. In fact, if you went back to my Jim Collins illustration earlier, Jim Collins would say this, if you have more than three priorities in your life, you have no priorities. Joshua is saying to the people and to you and to me, if you have more than one God in your life, you have no God in your life. If you are entertaining worship of more than one God in your life, if more than one thing is taking that spot in your heart and in your mind, Joshua would say, you have relationship with no God, is what he's saying to the people. You need to say yes to, these, to the God and no to all the others. And so what do the people say then when Joshua calls them to this? Well, the people respond in verse 16, and look at what they say. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all in the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And we would expect the next line to be Joshua saying, well done, everybody. But that's not what he says. He says, pick who you're going to serve. Say yes to God, say no to a thousand other things. And the people say, we'll do it, Joshua. We would expect Joshua to say, that's it. My job's done. Great job, everybody. But he doesn't say that at all because Joshua knows something that's true about these people and it's true about you and it's true about me. That saying yes to God and saying no to a thousand other things is far easier said than done. It's easy to in that moment say, yep, Joshua, no problem. We'll do it. I'll say yes to God, say no to everything else. No problem. And Joshua knows it is far easier said than done. And so he doesn't say, good job. He doesn't say, my work here is done. Let's get out of here. He does something quite different. Look what he says in the next verse, in verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, uh, I appreciate that, but you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. Uh, basically, Joshua says, choose to serve God and say no to all these other things. The people say, we say no to all the other things, and we say yes to God. And Joshua comes back to them and says, ah, you're going to fail at it. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. It's like, have you ever had a moment where you're trying to convince someone who's younger than you or more inexperienced than you that the decisions they're making have greater weight on their life than they realize? Have you ever been looking at someone who's young and they're making massive life decisions or someone who's inexperienced and you've already walked through what they're about to walk through and they're going into it just wide-eyed and, 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 and hopelessly optimistic and you know that they are taking on weight that's going to be extremely difficult to bear. And you're trying to communicate with them and say, listen, this is going to be harder than you realize. This is a greater commitment than you think it is. You know, maybe you're, you're at work and you're a, a leader at 
in your office and the decision is made to promote a young, outstanding employee to a position of management or leadership. And so you have the meeting and you say to this young person, we would like to offer you this position of leadership. You'll now lead the team you are a part of. And of course they're excited. And you say, but wait, but wait, I just want you to understand. I know you're excited about the new title. I know you're excited about more money, but just, just, uh, just sit with me for a moment. When you take on leadership, things begin to change. Your, your friends who are part of the team, those, cha- those relationships are going to change. No longer can you go to the cafeteria and complain about the bosses because now you are a boss. You're going to have the weight of production and achievement on your shoulders, and you're now going to be responsible not just for your work, but for the work of other people. And you're trying to help them understand in the midst of their enjoyment and their happiness that this is going to be a big change for them. But it's hard in that moment to do that, isn't it? Or maybe someone tells you they're going to join the military, and they're 18 years old, and you've been a part of the military for many years. And you're glad to hear that they're joining the military, but you know they just don't appreciate the commitment that they're making and how that's going to change their life. And so you try to explain it to them, everything that they're getting themselves involved in. And no matter how hard you try, you just can't transfer that over to them. And I feel like that's where Joshua is in this moment. He knows how difficult of a decision this is going to be, and he's trying to help the Israelites appreciate it. And so he says, serve the Lord, and they say, we'll do it. He says, say no to other gods, and they say, we'll do it. And Joshua says, I'm not sure I believe you, so say no to other gods and say yes to God. And the people say, we'll do it, but he's not fully sold. And so he does something else here. Look at what he does. Verse 21, the people come back. This is their second time and say to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, this is their third time now saying this, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Joshua makes them say it twice. And then he does a third thing. He establishes a covenant with the people. And many times a covenant has has a couple of, of pieces to it, but it usually has witnesses and it has a symbol. And the witnesses are there in order to hold people accountable for the covenant they're making. And the symbol is there to do something similar, to remind everybody when they see it of the covenant that was made. We do the same thing in in marriage, right? We, this is why we invite people to our weddings. You, you thought you were getting invited to these weddings so that you would bring a gift and, and so that you could enjoy uh, chicken or beef, whichever you picked after the ceremony, right? And, and you think, as, when you're the bride and groom, you think you're inviting people because you want them there, friends and relatives, or in most cases, your parents want them there, and so you're forced to invite them. And, and you do all these, all these things. That's the reason you're having guests. But actually, that's not the reason you're having guests. The guests are there as witnesses to the covenant, 
And the whole idea of having people there at the ceremony is so those people could witness that, that a, a man and a woman are coming together and they are saying, we are saying yes to each other and we are saying no to everybody else. And you are our witnesses that we are doing this. So when you see us 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, your job is to hold us accountable. You saw us make this vow and this promise. Yes to each other, no to everybody else. And it's not just the witnesses, then we have a symbol. And that symbol is there so that we will know and everyone else will know. We came together on a specific day and we said yes to each other. You said this, don't forget. We said yes to each other and no to everybody else. And so we have witnesses and we have a symbol to make sure we remember. And Joshua does the same thing. He says, you're the witnesses that you've said this. And here's a rock and this rock is gonna be our symbol. We are making this agreement with God. God, we are saying yes to you and no to everybody else. It's easier said than done. You and I have a symbol of the covenant we've made with God and we already celebrated earlier today. Jesus said, my blood is the new covenant. That that is the the symbol of the covenant that we have with God, that we come together And we say, God, we are saying yes to you, to serve you and love you and do everything that you call us to do. And we are saying no to everything else. But just like the people of Israel, you and I can so easily underestimate how serious it is to say yes to God, and we can underestimate how difficult it is to say no to everything else. We take it far too lightly. We say, sure, we'll say yes to God. And all we end up doing is just adding God into all the other things that we already do to make ourselves feel happy and have a good life. And so God kind of comes alongside. We don't cancel the other things. We just add God to the mix. And we say, yeah, I'll say yes to God so that I get out of jail, I get out of hell free, and, and then I have a happier life. I'll, I'll add him to the mix. But that's not what we're called to. That's not what the covenant is about. That's not what, why Jesus shed his blood. That's not why the symbol is there. The yes to God is a yes that says, God, you are in control of everything. That's what it means to say yes to God. You're in control of it all. You get every piece of me. The way you say to handle my family life, I'll do it your way. The way you say to handle my money, I'll do it your way. The way you say to handle my work, I'll do it your way. That saying yes to God is not adding him into the mix. It is giving him complete control over area of our, every area of our lives. And if you're anything like me, sometimes I can take that decision far too casually. And we also completely underestimate just how challenging it is to say no to the things of this world because those things constantly creep in. And our desire to fit in, our desire to be liked, our desire for people to respect us comes in and will allow us to let all sorts of things creep into our life that shouldn't be there. Our desire for pleasure, all these things creep in. And the reality is, if I say yes to God so that he gets control of everything else, and I say no to everything that he requires me to say no to, the people close to me, friends, family, coworkers, they're going to think I've lost my mind. If I do it the way that God really calls me to do it and live the life that he's calling me to live, say yes to him and no to everything else, it's going to be striking. And people are going to notice. And I think that makes it extremely difficult for us to do everything that God calls us to do. 
Saying yes to God and no to a thousand other things is easier said than done. So how then do we do it? Well, we said it when we were taking communion. The people in the Old Testament before Jesus, all they had was their own ability, their own covenant, their own, their own stick-to-itiveness to agree to this and to, to live it out. You have something different through Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 2, this is the way Paul put it. We read these verses earlier. Paul says this in Titus. He says, for the grace of God has appeared. And I can't read it over that slide. There it is. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And this is what he says. And training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Training us to say no. In fact, many translations say that it that very way. Training us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Saying yes to God means allowing him to take control and trusting his Holy Spirit to empower you to go and live the life that he calls you to live. Not doing it on your own, but allowing him to empower you to do it. And so I'll ask you this morning, have you said yes to God? I mean in the way that he gets control of everything. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, no, I haven't done that, let me tell you there's no more important decision that you could make. To say yes to God in relationship to him through Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself in that place and you have questions about it, after this service, I'll be in the back, Justin will be in the back. We would love to talk to you more about that. We have resources, we'll answer questions will tell you exactly how you could begin that relationship today. But if you're sitting here and you have said yes to God, let me ask you this. Are you actively saying no to everything else? Or are you living a very, a very busy and undisciplined religious life? Are you actively saying no to everything else? We all have those areas in our lives where we're not growing as fast as we think we should in godliness and holiness and doing the things that God wants us to do. We thought we'd be further along right now. Maybe it's our desire to pray or our desire to be in the Bible or maybe it's the language we use or the thoughts that run through our head. But we all have those areas where we thought we'd be further along in our relationship with God right now. I would, would bet that if your life is anything like my life, the reason that we're so slow to develop in those areas is because those are areas where we have said yes to God, we've given that lip service, but we haven't said no to the gods that control our lives. And so have you or are you saying no where you should be saying no in your life? It can be a challenge to identify those gods in our life to find those places. And so let me give you a couple questions to think about. When you walked in this morning, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite our, our worship team to go ahead and come up as we close. When you walked in this morning, we gave you a little piece of paper. It's a little square of paper. Hopefully you got one. If you didn't get one, uh, some of our ushers will be in the back. You could just lift up a hand and they'll, and they'll give you one. 
But hopefully when you walked in, you got a piece of that, of that paper. I'd, I'd ask you to take that piece of paper, and I'm going to ask you in just a moment as our, as our worship team begins to play, that you would take a moment and that you would think through a few questions to try and identify those places in your life right now where maybe you should be saying no, but you're not. How do we find those functional gods in our lives? How do we find those places where we're giving worship that should only go to God to other things? Well, here's a couple questions to think about. What is it that you daydream about? As you begin to make a list and as you begin to think through these things, what are the things that you daydream about? What captures your imagination when nothing else is there? Here's another question to think about. Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your money? Somewhere in how we spend our money and the things that we refuse to stop spending money on, our gods are revealed. This third question, I think, is a huge one in our culture today. Where do you go or where do you run when you are anxious? We have all sorts of new ways to deal with anxiety in today's world. Where do you run when you're anxious? Where do you go for comfort, peace, security? So what do you daydream about? How do you spend your money? Where do you go when you're anxious? And then this last question here that I I would ask you to think about. What elicits your most uncontrollable emotions? What do you get most upset about? What do you refuse to let go? Somewhere within those questions, I bet that the Holy Spirit, as you think about those, would begin to reveal within you the things that take place in our heart and mind that should be reserved for God. And I would invite you over these next few moments to take time and to think through these things. What are the things that you should be saying no to in your life? And as our worship team begins to play this final song, I'd invite you to write those down and to ponder those for a moment. And maybe you're here this morning and you know exactly what you should be letting go. You know exactly those things that are taking spot in your heart and your life that should only be reserved for the Lord. And you know exactly where that is and you know where you should be saying no, but you've been saying yes to too many things. And this morning is a morning that you want to make sure that you say yes to God and no to other things. You are more than welcome while we sing this final song to come and to kneel at this altar and to spend time between you and God and to spend time in prayer and say, God, I'm leaving these things here today and saying no to them and yes to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would move among us in these moments, that you would reveal inside of us those places where we are not fully saying yes to you and that you would help us by your Spirit to be able to completely say yes to you and everything that you have for us and to be able to say no to the thousands of other things that would fight for allegiance that is only due to you. Reveal those things in our hearts, I pray. Give us the courage. Give us the courage to name them, to ask you for the help this morning. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Continue to write those things down and come and pray.
and leave those things with the Lord. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.